continuing last week's message on honor. How many people enjoyed last week? Pastor Chris spoke on honor, right? So we've been on a series of messages on why we, right? Why do we do what we do? We spoke on why we, we serve, why we, we give, why we worship. Last week it was why we honor. And today we just want to continue the message on why we honor, right? I think it's something that is lost in, in our really just this age on how people uh, maybe have a difficulty honoring what is around them, right? This is what Romans says, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. This is our verse that we used last week. Be, uh, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, right? So this is Paul writing to the Roman church, and he, he is mentioning not only to love one another, but also to honor one another, right? And to put people really above yourselves. Yeah? All right? So th th this is what the, the definition that I came up with, honor. It is to value, to respect, or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. Now that word weighty, right? It comes from back when they used to uh, weigh coins, Right? And the, the heavier the coin, the more valuable that coin was. Right? So here's the thought around that. Right? The more you value something, right? the more you value something, the more weight it's going to have in your life. Right? So when you dishonor something, you take it lightly. You, you disregard it. You, you're really casual with things. And you can be casual with a lot of uh, things. You know, you can be casual with relationships. You can be casual with, with God. You could be casual with just the way you live your, your life. How many people know what I'm talking about, right? So there needs to be honor in all those areas. In fact, we believe here at Victory City Church that we, we honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around, right? So we honor authorities, we honor our parents, we honor our spouses, we honor everyone that God has put on this planet Earth, right? Because honor does not begin with how you look at people. Honor begins with how God looks at people. And obviously God looks at people as valuable because he sent his only son to die on that cross for each and one of us. And this is something I've had to learn, right? Because, I mean, it's real easy to get frustrated with people. It's very easy to just, just kind of just regard people that, that are just make your life difficult. I mean, we're going to agree with that, right? You're like, oh, this guy again. Right? I mean, how many people have ever said that? Right? Or, or, or you just see someone and you're just like, oh, I really don't want to deal with this. Right? But how many people know we need to start viewing people the way God views people? Right? And all, ultimately, God views people with a, as much a value that He gave His Son to say, I'm going to die for that person. So I've had to change my perspective. So I'll be the first one to say that this message applies to me. Right? I, this is the message that spoke to me. So this is kind of something that God has been dealing with in my life because I'm like, God, I want to view people the way you view them. All right? Can, how many people can take on that challenge to say, God, I'm going to view people the way you view them. And I'm going to honor people regardless of who they are in life because that's the way you want me to do what you want me to do. Right? So here, here's the thought. Uh, a lifestyle of honor will bring heaven to earth. Right? A lifestyle of honor will bring heaven to earth. Now, what do I mean by that? So if we look at the Bible, 
Okay, if we were to look at the Bible, the essence of honor is what the Bible is about. It's what the kingdom of God is about, right? So the essence of honor is, is, is what the Bible and our Christian life is all about. If you look at every miracle, every breakthrough, every miracle that ha or everything that happened in Jesus' life, it was based upon how people viewed him and what he carried. So the people that viewed him as, you're just a carpenter, or you're just somebody from Nazareth, how many people know they didn't receive very much from Christ? But the, view, the people that viewed him as, you're, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah, you're, you're, there's something about you, you're, you're a teacher that, that is speaking to my life, how many people know that they, they had something come into their life? Whether it was a miracle, whether it was a breakthrough, something happened in their life because they viewed Christ with honor, right? But the people that didn't, in particular the Pharisees, they viewed him as just, well, you're just, you know, our carpenter son, or, or you're just somebody from this unknown region up in Galilee, Nazareth, and, and, I mean, what you know is just a miracle that you know those stuff, but I was taught in the law, so... I mean, we're not, we're not on the same level. Right? Maybe, no, they looked down on him. So they were never able to receive what Christ had to give. Right? All right? So we need to have this attitude of, God, I want to be able to honor what you've placed in our lives. Right? And it can't just be lip service either. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah 29, verse 13 says this. It says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on mere hum human rules that they have been taught, right? So it can't just be lip service either, right? It has to be something that deals with the heart. Now, as the English, just the Western world, when we think of heart, we think of uh, just emotions, feelings, right? Uh, the, the saying, you know, you have a heart of stone, right? It basically means like you have no feelings, no emotion, right? But when this was written, it was really speaking about the inner soul, right? The, just your inner, uh, where you made your decisions, ju just your inner being to where when, when it's speaking about that they're honoring with just the lips and not with everything that is on, on the inside of them, how many people know that that is something that is deep, something that, that is embedded in you to where is your heart in this, right? How many of you have ever heard your, your heart is just not in it, so you just don't want to do it? So we have to live our Christian life with our heart in it. We can't live our lives just casually going through things, saying, well, you know, my, my, my prayer life is casual, my word life is casual, my church attendance is casual, my community is casual, you're never going to be able to receive the, the, what God has for you if you take things lightly and if you're casual about things. How many people can receive that, right? But if you honor it, if you put value, if it has weight in your life, then it's, if it's meaningful, then you're able to receive from it, right? And it could benefit your life and, and it could help you be who God has called you to be. So I, just, just the way I speak, the way I, I, I kind of uh, teach, I like to break things down, right? So I broke it down into four things. Four things that can help us have the right heart to be able to honor what, who, who God is and the people that are around us, okay? So four things that will help us to honor who God is and 
who God has put it in our lives. So number one, I put is the fear of the Lord and humility. Humility, right? And I know we've been hearing a lot about the fear of the Lord, right? So the fear of the Lord is something that that is really throughout the the, the, the Bible. It's in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and and it's not it's not fear. Let's just start there. It's not about being afraid of God, right? The fear of the Lord really is about being fearful of not being close to him right? or not having him in your life that's really what it's about um, it, it's a reverence right it, it, it's this understanding of you adore him you're you're highly just highly you know wanting to give him your best right that, that's what the fear of the lord is and even though i didn't put it in the scripture this is a scripture that i kind of read um the other day and i already had sent my notes so i didn't i didn't include it but if you have your Bible, maybe your, your mobile app, uh, phone, if you want to go to Exodus 2020, right, Exodus 2020, and I'll give you some background regarding this. This is uh, really the, the, the people have left Egypt now, right? So the, the Hebrews have left Egypt. They're on their way to Mount Sinai. Moses has received the commandments. So this is where if you go to uh, Exodus 20, he's given them the commandments, and the next step is he's wanting these people, right, to, to understand that God wants a relationship with him. He's like, God wants to have this intimate relationship with you. And he wants you to come close to him, right? And, and the people are really just fearful, but in a bad way, right? So this is what he says in, in, in Exodus twenty twenty. It says, and Moses said to the people, do not fear, right? So don't be afraid, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin, right? So it almost seems like he's contradicting himself, right? But what he's saying is, listen, he doesn't want you to be afraid of him, but he wants you that, he wants to have that reverence, that, that all of him to be in front of you, right? And that's how we live our lives. Our life is not to be fearful of God because you're never going to have a great relationship if you're fearful of someone. Right? How many people know you're, you're not going to have a good relationship if you feel that individual? It's just going to be an awkward relationship where you're like, I really don't want to be with them because I'm scared of them. Right? So that's not the relationship God wants to have with us. God wants to have this relationship with us where he just wants to love on us. But at the same time, he wants us to acknowledge who he is. Right? He's not just anybody. He's not somebody we take casual. In fact, a couple of weeks ago when, when I spoke with Pastor Didi, uh, something that, that kind of I, I said, but it's something that I've kind of continued to spend, kind of been working in my life is when you come before God's presence, right, you're not coming before just, okay, well, God, you know, uh, I need this, help me with this, but you're coming before the creator of all, right? So there is that humility also. So fear the Lord and humility kind of go together. To where it's like God I'm in all of you I, I, I reverence you Lord I need you in my life I don't want you to, to, to ever leave my life but at the same time I, I bow myself before you because I obviously understand that I'm coming before God Almighty right and I understand that everything I have who I am everything I've been able to accomplish is the result of God being in my life Right? I mean, I, I could be talented, but ultimately, how many people know that it's God who's given me that talent? 
And it's like, God, I give you the honor. I give you the praise. I mean, me being able to be up here and speak, listen, it, I mean, as much as I'm doing it, some people know it's God that has gifted me and God that is helping me to be able to share this with you, right? So I don't take it lightly. As soon as I'm done, I'm going to be like, God, thank you. Thank you that you allowed me to, to speak what I said clearly and hopefully it touched someone's life, right? Um, but I don't ever want to think like, man, I really did a good job. I really knocked it out of the ballpark. I did this and I did that. Because how many people know that the Bible says in Luke that whoever exalts himself will soon be humbled, right? And, and you know, there's, a, there's a kind of the example of Jesus who the Bible says that he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, right? Basically saying, hey, even though he was God, he basically said, I'm going to be here on earth and I'm going to depend on the Father. I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit, right? Versus Lucifer, who wanted to exalt himself and said, I will do this. I will do that. And how many people know he didn't last very long, right? Because he was, he was kicked out of heaven faster than lightning. That's what the Bible says. So there's your two examples of somebody who humbled himself and said, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to come to the Father. Because if you look at Jesus, he spent time in prayer. He spent time seeking the Father's will, saying, God, it's all about you. And ultimately, I give you the honor. I give you the glory. Versus somebody that goes through life just saying, well, you know, I'm the greatest thing. Right? So we need to make sure that we honor the Lord, right? That we're fear, we have the fear of the Lord and humility in, in order to have that, that, that condition in our heart that says, God, I'm going to give you the honor because I have the fear of the Lord and I have humility. I've humbled myself. Because here's the thing. If you don't humble yourself, God will do the job for you and he will humble you. And, and humble pie does not taste good. All right, that, that's not something you want to bring to, to the Thanksgiving uh, table, right? You don't want to be humble. So I would rather humble myself than have God kind of humble me, right? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 15, 33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So basically, wisdom is to fear the Lord and, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages, really the worship, its reward are riches, honor, and life. So when you honor him, he will honor you, right? And not only honor you, he will also bless you and, and give you life. Yeah? So, so that's number one. It's the fear of the Lord and humility. Number two is righteousness, right? Now, when I talk about righteousness, I'm not talking about legalism, right? What I'm talking about, yes, it is the right living. So the word really is right living, but it's not this legalistic way that you go through life where you have to be perfect, right? We're not talking about being a Pharisee where, you know, the Pharisees knew the, the law. It was over 600 laws, and they knew them, and they were really good about keeping the law, but they kept policy over people, Right, So they had this thing where during the Sabbath, um, they weren't too fond of Jesus healing people on the Sabbath. Right? So when Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath, they felt that Jesus was breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking the law. But if their ox 
fell into a well, that was okay for them to pull it out, right? So they would almost put like their personal work, their personal belongings over just people in general, right? So they, they were technically saying, Jesus, you're breaking the law. So they were being legalistic about like, hey, you have to be perfect. You have to dot all your I's. You have to cross all your T's. And otherwise, you're not living the right life. So we're not talking about that, right? Because we, we do believe that there's grace, but there's also truth, right? And, and how you live your life is really dependent upon God's word. So what God says in his word, that's how we're going to live our life. We're not going to water it down. No, we're not going to water it down. We're not going to give our, you know, basically our definition of how we should live and say, well, we're living in a whole new age now, so this is how we, we, we kind of interpret things. How many people know what God says still stands, right? And we live our life according to his word, right? We live our life according to how he wants us to live. So we're not going to change things just because it's not to our liking. Yes? Amen? <laughs> All right? So we have to make sure, right? We have to make sure that we, we, we check in with God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to live? The Bible says it this way. In Romans 14, it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. So here's the thought. That if you have the kingdom, if you have the governmental kingdom of God in your life, in your heart, right, you're going to live right, right? So if you have the governmental kingdom of God in your heart, you're going to live right, right? You are going to be peaceful, and you're going to be a pleasant person with joy, right? So if you actually have God's kingdom in your life, in your heart, you're going to live the way that you should live, right? But it's when you don't. It's when you're casual with things that it's when you can slip. It's when you can kind of start taking things out of context in God's word. It's when you maybe are not peaceful and, and not joyful and, and, and have life difficulties really just weigh down on you. That instead of thriving, you're surviving, right? But we want to make sure that we live our lives according to God's word. Because when we do that, this is what happens. In, in Proverbs 21, 21, it says, whoever pursues righteousness or right living and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Right? So there's those three words again. You know, life, prosperity, and honor. So when you live the way God has intended you to live, right, you're honoring God, but God also is going to honor you. Right? So one, fear the Lord in humility. Number two is we want to make sure that we live our lives according to God's word, right? We're not going to compromise and just kind of do our own thing. And, and you know, the Bible also says in, in Matthew 6, it says, and I'm pretty sure we're familiar with this verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his kingdom, right? His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you, right? So when you seek God, God will make sure to take care of you, right? But when you go after seeking things, then how many people know that when you're not putting God's first, when you're not honoring him, those things don't necessarily come into your life, right? Or if you do have them in your life, you're not going to be able to enjoy them. So it's making sure that we're honoring God, we're seeking him first, and then all these things will come into your life. You know, it's interesting because just kind of reading the, the life of Solomon, here's somebody who was raised in, in David's house, 
right? So, you know, the Bible has said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. If there's ever been a man that worshiped God, that, that honored God, it was, it was David, right? So he grew up in that house. So he had a, a first eye look at what it was to be somebody who worshiped and lived a life that honored God. And early on, when God came to him and asked him, what do you want? Um, in a dream and, and Solomon said well I want wisdom to be able to govern your people correctly and, and you know there was a lot of stuff that he wrote but during his life he began to slip away because he allowed other things to enter his life and when he allowed other things to enter into his life right if you start reading some of the um, ecclesiastic some of his writings he says a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense right he says um, the day of death was better than the day I was born. How many people know that? That doesn't make any sense. That his death was better than his birth, right? So he starts to say stuff because he wasn't right in line with God. He wasn't living his life according to what God had called him and asked him to live his life like. But once he was able to correct that, right, he went back to giving really just godly wisdom. And, and he was able to honor God in, in what God had blessed him with. Right? So that could happen in our lives. Listen, there's a lot of times where we could, we could start out right, we're doing good, but once we start kind of going our own direction, then we start you know, just really living a life of confusion. We start living a life of frustration and, and a life that God has not called us to, to, to live, and things don't quite work out right. But how many people know there's always a way back? And when you come back and you start saying, God, I'm going to live life the way you want me to live, things start working out again. Right? So that's number two. Number three, I wrote down is loyalty. Right? Now, I know that's kind of a word that's not really said much about today, but it's faithfulness, it's loyalty, and, and loyalty and faithfulness kind of go, you know, well, they're kind of the same word, but what I wanted to say is loyalty or faithfulness and righteousness kind of go hand in hand, right? Because when you live right, you're going to treat people right. So... And they both kind of deal with relational things, right? So here, here's the thought when it comes to loyalty is can God depend on you? Can people depend on you? Are you going to be there, right? I know this whole thought of you gave somebody your word, but are you going to keep your word? And, and sometimes it's not easy because when you say something and then at a future date you're like, well, I really don't want to do that or I really don't want... To, to go to this place or whatever it may be, right? You, your, your feelings have changed. But how many people know that loyalty has nothing to do with your feelings? It has to do with character. Okay? So feelings have nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with character. And there's a story in the Bible. There's two stories, but I'm not going to share one of them because I don't want to really... It could, go in, it could go in a bad direction. So I'm not going to mention that story. But the story I am going to mention is found in Jeremiah 35. Jeremiah 35. And it's a story about a group of people called the, uh, the Rechabites, right? So the Rechabites had this, this man who had made this vow that he was not going to drink wine, right? And he said not only he wasn't going to drink wine, but all his descendants would not drink wine. Now, wine at this time was considered a blessing. You know, that we talk about new wine and, and, and how your, your vats will be filled with, with wine, so it, it was symbolic of something that, that was used, right, in celebration. But he had made this vow, and we don't know why, that he would not drink wine, and his descendants would not drink wine. 
So throughout the, the generations, his family stuck to it. They would not drink wine, right? Even to the point that if the king was to invite them to his place, they would refuse wine. And, and it was very disrespectful. If the king invited you to his place, whatever food, whatever drink he put in front of you, it, it was almost disrespectful and dishonorable if you did not eat or drink what was put before you, right? But they had made uh, uh, a decision that they were going to keep their word, they were going to keep this vow, that they would not drink wine. And the, end in, the last verse of that chapter says that God blessed this, this, these people because they kept their word because they kept that vow that they would not do what somebody hundreds of years before had told them that they would not do. And it didn't seem like a big deal, right? It didn't seem like it was anything big, but they had stuck to what that man had, had said would be a vow to, for them and how they would live their life towards God, right? So how many people know that it's easy um, for that man probably to have said that, but once he said it for his Descendants, they might not have been as easy for his descendants because they could have been like, well, I don't know why he said that. Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe he got drunk one day and he told his wife, I'm never drinking again and, and neither are my kids and no one else that has this, this last name, right? But yet that family took on that vow that they would not drink. They kept their word. They were loyal to that vow. And my question to you is, would you be willing to keep a vow would you be loyal to something that has been spoken to your life? Many people know it's not easy sometimes, right? But there's a blessing in being loyal. There's a blessing in being faithful, right? Because this is what the Bible says in 2 Peter, right? I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2.2. It says, And the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who, are, who will also be qualified to teach others. So in other sense, here at Victory City Church, right, we believe in taking next steps. We believe in not only keeping what we're taught, but passing it along, right? And we need loyal people. We need faithful people that are going to have that honor to say, I'm not going to keep what I've learned to myself, but I'm going to pass it along to others because that's the right thing to do, right? So whoever is around you, listen, if they don't know something, how many people know it would be in our best interest to be able to share to them not just Victory City Church culture, but godly culture. And to say, this is why we do what we do. This is why we believe what we believe. And that's why it's important for you to know what you believe in. Because if you don't know, you're not able to pass along what you should pass along. Amen? And here's number four. Number four is really one I want to spend a little bit of time in. And this was originally going to be my message, but it's service. And it's serving God, right? Wow. Hebrews 6.10 says this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown towards, shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them, right? So it's about service. It's about honoring God and honoring those around you by serving them. Um, you know, I heard this saying not too long ago that Jesus is better served than sold and what is meant by that is you're going to reach a whole lot more people serving them than you are preaching to them right there was this kind of this um test that was done many years ago about these two missionary groups that were sent to a foreign field and one group all they did was preach and teach that's all they did 
they, they, they preached and taught them. And the other group, all they did was serve them. Right? They, they fed them food. They helped them with their medical issues. They, they just helped them with their, their fields. And how many people know that the people that served won a whole lot more people to the Lord than those that just preached and taught? In fact, I think the number was the, the, the group that just taught and, and, and preached only reached two people, and the group that served reached 100. Right? So you're going to reach a whole lot more people by serving them than you are by preaching to them, right? And you have to know, like just like this verse says, that God is not unjust. God is not going to forget those who work for him or serve him, right? And one of the greatest story about just reaching people is found in Luke 15. It's the story of the lost sheep. I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with it, right? There's 100 sheep, one gets lost, and how many people know that if we were to say this, this here has a hundred uh, lifesavers, if we lose one out of a hundred, how many people know that's not bad odds? You would be like, that's not bad, that's pretty good still. 99 out of a hundred, I would take those odds. I would take that. But how many people know that if this one is valuable to God, it should be valuable to us, right? Because this one could be your spouse. This one could be your, some family member, maybe uh, a son, a daughter, an uh, aunt, an uncle, a parent. It could be a coworker. It could be a neighbor. So that one then becomes a lot more valuable. And the Bible says that when that one is found, there's no bigger celebration in heaven than when one is found and, 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 and really accepts Christ than at any other time. So if the biggest celebration in heaven has to do with one being found, my question to you is, what are we doing to serve that one? But what are we doing to reach people? What are we doing to serve people? And, and I love doing the outreach because one of the things about the outreach is we're, we're going into the community and, and we're really just feeding people that are not able to pay us back, right? But now we've not only moved to just feeding them, but praying with them and, and wanting to share Christ with them because ultimately that may be that one person that, that is in somebody's prayer that says, you know, my, my whatever it is, is homeless. And, and I'm hoping somebody is able to, to maybe just kind of work their way into their path so that they could hear the gospel, so that they could find Christ. So my question is to you is we're going to honor God and we're going to honor people by finding that one, right? So my challenge today is, I don't know who that one is, but hopefully you can come up with one person that you can kind of put back and say, you know what, with, with God's help, we're going to put that person back. We're going to bring that person back, right? And that's how we're going to honor the Lord. That's how we're going to honor people, by bringing people back. Not, not you know, listen, I know we live in a city of what, 300, 400,000? But what if we just focused on one? What if we just said one person? That's what I'm going to, for the rest of the year, I'm going to focus on one person by serving them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to do whatever is in God's heart. And obviously people are in God's heart. Right? I think of two disciples, Judas and John. Judas had a hidden agenda. John had, really, he wanted to, to, to really to do what was in Jesus' heart. 
both were in close proximity to Jesus, but only one really wanted to do what was in Jesus' heart, and that was to reach people, to share the good news, to share the gospel with them, to reach out and to say, we're going to honor God, we're going to honor people by sharing the gospel with them, by serving them. If you're like, well, I don't know what to say, start out by serving them. You don't need to know everything in the Bible, although it'd be nice if you, if you knew some stuff in the Bible. But even if you don't, here's the thing. Even if you don't, if you serve them, you'll be able to reach them. If, if you make it your mission to how, what, what can I do to reach this person? And, and there's a lot of creative ideas on how you can reach people by serving them. And you'd be surprised how little things, right, could end up being big things. Yeah? Little things can end up being big things, right? Because there's an impact in serving people. In fact, Jesus is the greatest example, right? When he came to earth, he came to serve. Whether it was his first miracle, whether it was the feeding of the four of the 5,000, whether it was washing his disciples' feet, he came to serve. That's how he came to reach people. He started by serving them and ultimately dying on that cross for them. Amen? Amen? So this this morning's message is really it's about honoring God and honoring those around you. Whether they're believers, whether they're leaders, whether they're the lost, we're going to do everything we possibly can to honor people by serving them. Just like we serve God, right? We're going to serve people. We're going to do everything we possibly can to make it our mission to reach people by serving them. Amen? All right, let's all stand up. Do we have anything else we need to do, Pastor Jasmine? Okay, let's all stand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have a heart for us, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are able to honor you. We are able to serve you, Lord God. We are able to say, Lord God, that there is none like you, Lord God. We reverence and adore you lord god we magnify you lord god we say thank you lord god that your eyes are upon your people lord god and even though we don't deserve it lord god we receive all that you have for us lord god and father god i just pray that you would stir in our hearts lord god that we would search that one lord god and serve them lord god that you would give us creative ideas lord god to reach people father god all for your honor and for your glory because ultimately lord god we want the kingdom, Lord God. We want you, Lord God. Lord God, in all of heaven, Lord God, to have a celebration, Lord God, at knowing that people are being one in Reno Sparks, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us that mission, for giving us that responsibility, Lord God. And we say yes to the call, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that you've empowered us, you've gifted us. Lord God, you're going to open up doors of opportunity for us to be able to do what you've called us to do. And we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we dismiss this morning, Lord God, we leave your house, but we do not leave your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that your hand is always upon us. Lord God, we are believing for a great week, a week of favor, a week of protection, a week of blessings. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing, Lord God. For we know that the best is yet to come. And we give you thanks, we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.